Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're good. Hope you can hear me. All the usual paranoia over the technology. First, that happens to be listening live that fancies telling me that things are working. Please let me know. And the title for this video should be Episode 188, Freedom Day for the UK as Australia Locks Down. If it isn't and it's got Friday's titles on it, that is a glitch that I'm working on. I don't know why it's happened. And apologies to those that tuned into Friday's show and were confused at the title. It's because um, of that problem where it just doesn't seem to sometimes update the title. So sorry about that. But thanks for joining. I've had some banter recently, which I've been really enjoying, where people say that I start every episode at the moment saying, I'm really excited for this episode. No, I am. I'm not lying. I'm not ju juicing it up, right? I enjoy it. I can't believe it. What a lucky boy I am to have these conversations with such fascinating people, and today's no different. So I am excited. I'm not just saying it. I'm not just trying to be a hype man, I promise. Um, and so thank you to Isabella, who is uh, first on the draw on LinkedIn, I understand, said everything's working fine. So thank you very much for, for letting me know that all the sound is good. Um, and it'll be helpful for you to say the same when I bring my guest on. My guest today is Blaise Doran and uh, someone I've had some fascinating conversations over over, over the years with. And uh, I'm absolutely delighted that he's joining, especially because of a time zone difference I thought might be prohibitive. But he's joining in his evening time from Australia. And it was a great idea for us. Uh, as I put out on Twitter, who should I talk to on, on Freedom Day? And he, and he didn't necessarily throw his hand up. So I've roped him in a little bit. But uh, but um, he's he's got such a great uh, contrast, and I thought that'd be such an interesting episode for us to talk about on Freedom Day, uh, as it's being called in the UK uh, and all of those challenges it brings. So uh, hopefully, in a couple of clicks, I can hide my little frame and bring on Blaze. Blaze, can you hear me? Yes, I can. How are you? Good. Can you hear me? I can, and hopefully the listeners can, and they'll let us know in the chat in a second, no doubt, if they can or can't. But I think everything's Thanks. working well. Um, start off with then, could you just introduce yourself to the, to the listeners briefly and then tell us a little bit about the circumstances that you're in right now in Australia? I'm Blaise Zoran. I was originally um, uh, a very long time ago an actor, and then I retrained as a physiotherapist in the UK. I am from the UK originally, and I migrated to Australia in 2006. So I've been living here since then. And the circumstances we find ourselves in now. So last um, <clears throat> Thursday evening, um, the premier, the, the leader of the state that I live in, which is Victoria, announced that the whole of the state would go into a hard lockdown because of um, some Delta variant COVID-19 infections in the community. So we have what a hard lockdown means here is that we can't travel more than about three miles away from home. Um, you can go out once a day, one person once a day to the shops. Um, you're allowed to exercise for two hours a day, but not with more than two other people, um, or one other person, I think it is. You have to wear masks indoors and outdoors, except in your own home. You have to, um, you are allowed to go to, for emergency health treatment, uh, you're allowed to go for a COVID test and you're allowed to go for vaccination if you can find one. So that's uh, a hard yeah, lock. Yeah, <laughs> that's a hard lockdown. And the other thing is that that means that where possible, my work, which is at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne, um, they tell you that um, if it's possible, work from home. So that includes me and outpatient, you know, um, physiotherapy situations. So I would be seeing the patients I'm seeing tomorrow online, which is a, an interesting experience. But yeah, I've done it, you know, I did it for the 110, 111 day lockdown in Melbourne. So um, there we go. 
Well, yeah, back to back to those sort of Groundhog Day style feelings again, I guess. And, uh, yes. and so, yeah, it's pretty interesting contrast then. So, of course, um, as the as the titles say, we're into Freedom Day. I've just been reminded by Daniel Gerber, uh, who said, "Please remember, it's uh, the UK, it's England on its own." Um, and so, yeah, thank you to one of my favourite nationalists, Daniel Gerber, to remind us of that. And so, um, I enjoy, Thanks, I enjoy his contributions, especially when he pretends that Scotland's a real country. I uh, thank you, Daniel, for for that. Um, so, yeah, he's he's making that point, and that's a fair one. Is is it's England. And we're um, we're lifting restrictions, and and by that it being legal mandates, and there's a couple of things that mean that why when I put Freedom Day in the titles, it's like, you know, there are several things that are still going to be disruptive, and also there's several different, you know, I've just been out to the supermarket, and you've got still majority mask wearing, even though there's no legal mandate to it, or there wasn't any signage to indicate that that is something that they prefer in this particular supermarket. But there's still a culture in which you're still going to be in amongst it with regards to the fact that people are taking their individual risk assessment. But there's also the fact that we're having this big spike in sort of track and trace. It's become a verb, which is weird, to have been pinged. I've been <laughs> pinged by the, the track and trace app, right? So you get, we're getting patients cancelling and and, uh, and and that's still going to be something that, that, that is going to greatly affect people. So uh, amusingly, if enough people get pinged, they're going to be locked down because there's so much self-isolation going on. We're at yep. 50,000 plus cases as of yesterday. Um, and so that's why it's uh, it's certainly freedom uh, with a small F at the very least. So, um, yeah, interesting contrast technically by legal mandate then uh, between us as nations um blaze but obviously the one of the big differences i guess in the nations has been the fact that covid can only be described as having ravaged the uk whereas it's been yes. somewhat australia has been protected from it in terms of high case rates hospitalizations deaths in part by a very very restrictive particularly travel policies but also various different um significant internal policies so um what, how would you describe the key differences in, in, in approaches that have then meant that that's led to those differences in outcomes. It's been interesting. I mean, obviously there's, there's the obvious thing of, of um, uh, where we are and, and our geography, um, not just, I mean, in the sense of where we are in the world. Obviously that is one thing, quite isolated really, but it's an island continent you can control the borders to to a greater extent, and that's exactly what they've done. And they did it pretty quickly um, after, um, you know, the, the World Health Organization was calling it a pandemic. Before then, I think um, Australia locked locked down its borders to to incoming travellers from certain areas, particularly from China. Mm-hmm. And even if they had Australian passports, I think at the time, I could be corrected on that. But anyway, the um, other aspect has been, and the major difference is because we are a federation in Australia, we have a prime minister who sits over the federal government, um, but we also have states and state premiers. Um, so what's currently happening at the moment is that um, the federal government is supposed to be responsible for two main things. One is quarantine and the other is vaccination. So in these kind of pandemic situations, that's the agreement that's written into the law, if you like. What the current prime minister negotiated was that the states would take on the quarantine aspect by doing hotel quarantine. And that the the federal government would uh, negotiate the vaccine part of things. 
So because we have a particular um, prime minister who you might kind of think of if you're from the UK as being in the kind of conservative side of things, um, you know, or liberal nationals as they call them here, um, they, you know, he, he's a background where his hashtag, um, slightly sarcastic hashtag on, on Twitter is Scotty from marketing. So it's Scott Morrison, uh, because he, that's the industry he used to work in. He used to work in the, you know, market. He did the, the crappy campaign of, uh, where the bloody hell are you for Australia? Um, yeah. uh, which didn't go down particularly well. So he's, he's got that kind of background and he's, he's very much a spin merchant. I was just about to say so he was spin doctor. Is he like the Alistair Campbell school of spin? Style? He is. Yeah. He's he's actual. Uh, he's also a massively good gaslighter as well. So he'll wow. say, you know, some some you know, you'll say something. You said this. No, I didn't say that. And then it's not my fault. You know, whether it's bushfires saying I don't hold the hose, um, to you know, um, it's not a race. That was the other thing about the the vaccine thing, which we can come to. But anyway, that's what they're supposed to be responsible for. Yeah. They palmed off the the quarantine to the states, and then what happened from that? As as things happen everywhere across the world, is that there's now a um, a drive in public uh, <coughs> public health, I suppose, and other public systems to um, contract out, get get a, a reasonable quote for a job to be done. So the security for the hotel systems, uh, particularly in Victoria, was done by private contractors, mm-hmm. private contractors who had no idea about infection control, um, private contractors who subcontracted to other private contractors, and so on and so forth. So there was a great kind of falling down of the um, infection control chain. And what happened is that uh, various um, people became infected by incoming travelers, they went to their areas and their families spread out around there. Right. That's when Melbourne got locked down. And um, that was the first major kind of lockdown in the, in the country. What's happened since is that the board, um, that the states have the capacity to shut down borders so that you can't travel. Yeah. State borders. So you can't travel without a strict permit from Victoria to WA. In, unless you go into 14 days of, of quarantine right. when you I arrive at that state. Of, just on that, I think that's one of the things for those that haven't been to Australia or those that don't know enough about it to kind of get how on earth that would be feasible. Imagine, yeah, if you tried to place a county border even in the in the UK, right, it's not the same because you've not got a really distributed road network. I'm not going to be uh, scenarios just to say it's one highway, but to some degree, especially I, I travelled, say, Queensland, New South Wales and stuff, is that there are not many roads to stop that flow. Is that fair to say? And therefore, it is doable. Very fair to say. Not necessarily, Very fair to not say. necessarily I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but I'm just meaning that, you know, comparatively, that's something that, for those that haven't been to Australia, it might sound mad that you could partition, but you, you could, couldn't you? And it clearly have been. And and because there, there are usually only major highways that go between the kind of state areas, it, there, it doesn't mean it's impossible you can get across small roads and you can actually travel across the desert if you're good enough at it. But, um, you know, I think there are few and far between people who have tried to do that. So basically, you know, we we are in lockdown. Um, What happened about the Victorian thing is the whole COVID-19 and its management became a massive political football. Big surprise. The same thing happened in the UK. Um, And... 
One of the things that Scott Morrison, the current Prime Minister, said was that, you know, when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccines, we are at the, Australia is at the front of the queue. Front of what queue? I don't know, but it was the wrong queue. Um, so basically, they put all their eggs in one basket, mostly because they had the infrastructure here to um, produce vaccines from the, the AstraZeneca style of vaccine. So there's a place in Melbourne that can actually produce that kind of vaccine, yeah. but there isn't anywhere in Australia that can produce the mRNA type of vaccine. So we didn't get much of the Pfizer. Huge political thing happened when um, our advisory board for immunization uh, said that because of the blood clotting risk for AstraZeneca, it shouldn't be given, first of all, well, it, the preferred vaccine uh for the 50s and under under 50s would be Pfizer, of which we only at the time had 10 million doses on order. We hadn't even actually got many of them, you know, prior to that. Yeah. <clears throat> and so they were producing the AstraZeneca in, in allegedly large numbers, but we found out not quite as large as they said they were. Yeah. Um, and and then then they just you know Atagi, who's the the um, Immunization Advisory Board um, basically said, maybe not, you know, uh, 60s and under, you know, should should get the Pfizer vaccine. So it's been going on this kind of huge political football about, yeah. did we get enough vaccine? Did we get it at the right time? We're not going to be getting any major stock of um, of Pfizer until probably October. Well, one of the things I think, if we can, I want to come back to vaccines in part because of the interesting variables we were just talking about off air about vaccine hesitancy because one of the main motivating factors mm. about about getting vaccinated is the imminence of or the, the likelihood of exposure and things in the uk has meant that that's been one of the things that's fueled as well as other various cultural factors and and things that have then contributed to high uptake to date um which you can understand those some of the mechanisms not necessarily playing out the same in in australia still highly contentious political issue as well as the fact that there's still um, uh, as you're describing, supply issues as well as demand. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's more complex. And I do want to get stuck into that, I think, because I think it's a really interesting one when we do this compare and contrast. But one of the things that we have had is, I mean, we've, you, you couldn't argue, uh, some maybe might, there's people that would say that we've had more porous borders than we should have, but I don't think people could ever argue that we've had like, free-flowing traffic necessarily i mean so you know international travel still and you know, literal planes in air is is vastly reduced you know so but comparative to the to the to australia our, our border policy has been very different in, in that yours has been um right up there as being uh, the highest and we were talking just off air about the fact that we were due in australia for a wedding in sydney uh, this autumn and we we've known now for nine months or something that that was that was not going to be happening i think you had literally the calendar year of 2021 regardless of what happened it was no foreign visitors for the likes of something as as as, as frivolous as a wedding and so i want to just get your raw reflections on that policy and its challenges and whether or not any of the trade-offs have been in the public dialogue on that Gosh, this is a really difficult one because on the one hand, you can see why it's appealing okay, to, to a populace to say, we will protect you by stopping people from coming in. But that also means there's a, there's a, 
I can't remember what the figure is, but uh, it, it's in the thousands um, because of the way in which Australians are known for travelling. Um, of Australians who are abroad, Australian passport holders, Australian citizens who are abroad, who are not able to come back to the country because of the caps on people who are allowing they're allowing to return because they can't get flights that they can afford because, you know, there's all sorts of questionable ethics, if you like, around that. There's a, a big human rights issue in, in my own eyes is that uh, I'm not allowed to leave the country unless I have a strict dispensation to do so. What does that mean? Well, say, for example, somebody passed away, I might be able to get back to the UK because I have family there, um, but I might not. You know, it's not guaranteed. Um, they may not let you out. And they may not think that it's a good enough reason for you to go. But, you know, if you earn enough money for the country and you run a business, you seem to be able to get in and out of the country fine. If you are a celebrity, you seem to be able to get in and out of the country fine. If you're an American movie star, you seem to get them in and out of the country fine. If you're Katie freaking Hopkins, you seem to be able to get into the country. She's just arrived at, uh, at Sydney to do... Um, Somebody approved on <laughs> Katie Hopkins is a virus in my in my in my in my view. Sorry, I've just run one of the couple. The, uh, the the reason is she uh, is she what is it? She a was work supposed to be joining. Um, yeah, she was supposed to be joining uh, the Big Brother house in Big Sydney. Brother. Now, oh, okay. now I, I think people don't quite know. Uh, maybe they do. This is what disturbs me about Australia. Sometimes maybe they um, do understand quite how vitriolic and virus-like uh, Haiti Copkins is, um, but um, maybe they was just ignorant. And um, But the, she's got kicked out. She got kicked out because um, she was making a mockery of the, the hotel quarantine system and they rescinded her visa and they cancelled her contract. So she's spent... She's she, spent but we, she got, we she got in. They, they, they gave it a chance enough for her to get in in order to then run a mock. Oh, anyway, you know, the, the other side, you see, that there's, there's all those things where, where people are, are desperate to come back home mm -hmm. for various reasons. They may be in, in different countries. Like, they shut down flights coming in from India for two weeks. And there's a, there's a fair Indian population, or kind of Indian-Australian population. They were in, they're, they're Australian passport holders, but they're, um, like a lot of people in Australia, were, were of different, different nationalities to begin with. Um, and they, they, they couldn't get back home. They just stopped all flights from India. Yeah. See, those kind of things, I'm, uh, I question the legality of that. But in terms of international law, they've argued that constitutionally they're allowed to do it because it's based on, on health reasons. I think, and I, get, and, and I know this is an oversimplification for the sake of brevity, because I'm not good at brevity, we all know this. So I'm going to try, though. And say that I get some, my spidey senses go off a little bit when it's like this excessive safetyism to bring in policies that seem superficially to mean well, but have downstream consequences in breach of significant liberal human rights baselines that we've worked up. So it, it sort of feels like it reminds me a bit of the Patriot Act, right? In America, when it's like, the, we knew, it's, it's like, we need to protect you from these terrorists. And so we're going to yep. bug your phones. Like, hold on. You know, let's be proportional, and and yep. we can, you know, again, it, it, it sounds instinctively pleasant in times of crisis. But you, what are you? What are you doing? It's the baby bathwater 
moment in many ways. So you've, you've, one of the latter part of my question to you, which I've interrupted, so it's probably where you were going, is how much of the conversation that you've just described and what I've just invited a bit of um, my reflections on is being had, like those trade-offs. How, how is that part of the public dialogue? Is that actually a healthy and mature conversation that people are trying to weigh up or, or is it just... Look, it, it, it's difficult when you're in isolation to have conversations like that, but um, I'm, I'm being too sarcastic. But uh, it, really, it's true. You know, you know the, the sort of people I would uh, be able to mix with and talk about these things were obviously will be in my echo chamber. So, that, yes, there are conversations like that, and, and we, we agree with ourselves that that's probably pretty harsh. Um, and particularly because, you know, I, you, you tend to know a lot of people who's – uh, original heritage and not necessarily Australian. Um, so there's that. But then there's a lot of Australians who may actually feel, and I've got to acknowledge this, that they may actually feel comfortable with the idea that, no, don't let people in. Don't don't let people in with, with the viruses. And, and there is an inherent, you know, there's an undertow of racism in a lot of Australian society. And um, early on in the piece, there were, a lot of kind of racist attacks on Asians. They didn't necessarily have to be uh, from China, but they just had to look Asian. Um, you know, verbal abuses, um, graffiti on houses, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so there's a there's a, a section of the population who is very comfortable with this, um, but it, it seems to be a kind of uh, there isn't a consistency. You know, I mean, this, you're familiar with this in the UK. Is there's, there's there's inconsistency in how the rules are applied. So you know, if it wasn't for a public outcry, uh, Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson wouldn't be in isolation at the moment, would they? No, yeah. we, we are we are the we are the UK's opposition. Uh, for, yeah. uh, <laughs> absolutely, opposition absolutely, and then, you know that's fantastic that people kicked up such a stink that they didn't they weren't even considering isolating after uh, Javid. Um, it, it was news to me that that hypocrisy matters enough anymore. You know, it's like I've been watching, watching absolutely consistency. But then again, th this is a, this is the actually did it, which is good. I think this is the thing that's personally matters to people is that, you know, I have done this, I have made sacrifices. Why the FTF haven't you? Mm. Um, and I think that's, the, the, I think that's the same in Australia. So there's a lot of people who kind of think, well, you don't, don't, don't start taking the piss because you, you, excuse my language, but you know, you, you will, you'll, you'll end up with, with, you know, a situation where um, you'll use up all your political um gains from having locked something down and this is what's happening at the moment you know but the the, the state premiers are generally more popular than than the prime minister at the moment because right. they seem to be doing a better job of it than the prime minister mm. and so the, the you know coming back to your question yes there are a lot of people who probably think this is great this is keeping us safe to me it it's it's <laughs> I get too deep about these things, but I sometimes wonder whether it's it's the the um, uh, Australia's background as a carceral state, you know, as a prison colony, <laughs> that people, you know, are quite seem to be quite um, cowed by authority. So if you're told you're not going to do this, then people are going, okay. Yeah, well, and also a lot of, there's a lot of stuff, you know. Where even you know, if I went out today without a mask and was caught, it would be. 100 quid fine 
outdoor masking never really got here. That's a fascinating thing that you've just told me about. That's a that's a that's a bit of a. It's not a new one to me because I've heard about some states in America, but I didn't realize it was. You know that that just. You know that that because there's a lot of symbolism that comes with that, especially with regards to sort of the the, the data on effectiveness of various different things. Of course, um, when we realised it was airborne, then it just seems a bit of a, 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 a there's something you know social consciousness wise that you can imagine. But outdoor masking is that well is that commonplace or what? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it is. It is well, it's been commonplace in Victoria certainly. Um, right. So what? The arguments have been so. If you take the example of recent um, contact sites, um, one is there are two stadium football stadiums: the the France versus Australia game and a um, an AFL game that was going on between Carlton and some other team. I can't remember who cares, but the 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 fact was that people were sitting in the stadium that weren't close to the index case. And they're, they're in a different part of the. They're not. They're, they're close enough in terms of where the people were sat. But what they're worried about is you, you're getting these fleeting contact type situations with um, the Delta variant. And so what they're suggesting is wearing a mask even outdoors. Probably what they're going for is um, a bit like Trish Greenhouse's idea is that, you know, even if it produces, it reduces the risk by 0.01%, that's still significant if the population that's risk of infection is large enough. Um, so the other thing is that perhaps you're not spreading it if you are infective in the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, mean, I think it's, it's, that's the only, the, but I think it's these, these kind of mandated ways of doing it. I mean, uh, <laughs> I've forgotten what freedoms are, if I'm honest, um, because some, some of these things are, are a bit weird now. Mm. That, that you, I will do it because I think I have a very strong sense of, um, if you like, public duty um, with 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 my healthcare knowledge as well, and I know that the potential for for um, overwhelming a healthcare system is very real. Um, you know. Never happened to me though. So I wasn't somebody, uh, you know, who's ever needed to to be re um, redeployed or anything like that. Which is, um, and I think that the, the major thing that 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 annoys people about the lockdowns is it has a massive um, economic implication. And particularly if you think about physiotherapists in, in Australia, by far the majority of the people who are uh, have the most control over the Australian Physiotherapy Association are private practice therapists, musculoskeletal private practice therapists. Right. You know, they can still see people if it's urgent, but if it's not for routine care. So there's a there's a kind of dodgy line there. If your business is, is starting to mm. starting to suffer, you're gonna say, well, can I make this person can I can I justify seeing this person? I think climbed, most most we've, we've climbed out because that that you can't help protect you can't protect that conversation from a styles of practice conversation and and we we kind of we kind of are out of that now in a way you know it's still it'll forever be there in the profession and rightly so in many ways mechanisms of effect and styles of care and practice or interventions rehab versus manual therapy right whatever well we kind of had that it came to a head last spring summer um and you don't feel like that's lingered on in part because of the fact that we have found a way 
which is what's interesting is because we have had to create a version of living with COVID. You've not had, you've not had it. Re- you, you, that's what's not in the same way. Because, not in the same way. Yeah, it's, it's different. I want to make sure just before we before we go. I'm so sorry that we're out of time soon um, because we could go on and, and uh, it's been it's been great. It's probably because we do go on both of us. Yeah, well, both of us we're guilty of that, aren't we? Yeah. Um, and, 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 yeah. For those of you that uh, we should. I'm sure if we we should sell tickets into the afterword, me and you will probably end up having that when we're off air. We'll, An hour we'll conversation after. Um, but I wanted to just make sure I planted a flag because I think what's really I can't believe me luck that you that you were available today to do this because I think that those sorts of trade offs, especially on with regards to you know border border policy, human rights, but also. There's a there's a real pessimism over the voluntarism, right? We never tested that, you know. I just feel like it's really painful, and especially interprofessionally. And this is one of the painful things where I'm speaking to a lot of my audience here that I'm going to piss off, and I'm all right with that. You might not be, but there's a lot of you out there, including the, you know, I love you to bits, and you're good thinkers. But you've got to. Some of you, I feel, are saying when you're really beckoning more and more mandates and i feel it's, it's you're indulging some of the safetyism that you know i'm a critic of that's not the news the news is that when you're saying about the fact that you want these things to continue distancing and masking classically you're not talking about you are you you're saying i'm going to do this right it's the other it's these plebs that can't be trusted and you're not hearing that part of your thinking and i don't think you'd like yourself for it and I'm sorry to be that guy holding the mirror up, but you're not on about you, are you? You're saying, I'm going to be responsible, but they can't be trusted. Who's there? And when you unpack the there, you're not recognising some of your privilege to use a buzzword on this. And, it, it, and it's an ugly corner of it, and I'm sorry because I do love you all, but some of you are doing that a lot more than I'd like. And to hear from Blaze, not to, not, no, I'm putting words in his mouth, right? I don't know, he might disagree with me wholeheartedly on that, and I'd invite that, but I'm just kind of describing the fact that two countries have gone about things very differently, got some of the same challenges, but some different challenges, and a mature conversation about trade-offs, including the avoidance of othering people, especially with regards to what it could do with the powder keg of xenophobia that we've kind of talked a bit about that can exist and we know exists and is an ugly underbelly of many different cultures, is something that I think we cannot ignore, and the time frame now is such that we should be having as much of a mature dialogue as we can about these things, rather than the deep conviction in which people go in about things in an unchecked, biased manner. Uh, I wanted to make sure I spat that out today of all days. Again, Blaze, I'm not trying to put, you know, I'm not putting any of that on you, but in this show, it would have been remiss for me to not talk about it. I wonder if I could just invite you to just give a few final remarks for the last couple of minutes, if you wish. So I think some of the things you make, um, I made comments to, you know, colleagues that I work with is that that part of the reason why uh, it got out of hand in Melbourne before the 111 day lockdown that we went through and with the very harsh conditions that we had was the fact that people weren't considering the people who lived in the areas that were going there, mostly um, people who spoke English as a second or third or fourth language, the people who are low socioeconomic status, the people who have to travel across the city in order to be able to do their work for the low pay that they get. They're the Uber delivery drivers, they're the people who clean your offices and so on and so forth. Of course, if they're sick, they don't have anything to back them up and they will go to work. And that's the reason why it gets spread around. So you can't blame them for it because they are living a hand-to-mouth existence. And you can't blame for the fact that they are having to try and understand 
um, health orders that are primarily published in English and then translated after the fact. Good point. You know, it's yeah. just one of those things that, 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 that people kind of don't consider necessarily that we're not, that they're not doing it just to be bloody minded or stupid or dumb. They're doing it because they have to. <laughs> And, yeah. and also, the the, the 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 same people carrying heavy judgment, weighing heavy judgment on these people, are often not always, but often the people that would corrupt any sensible conversation about social safety net in and the various large people political decisions that we need to try and make as civilized societies to try and work out what what is what is that safety net and how that we protect ourselves as a as a as a, a set of nations as, a, as communities from those sorts of events in which people might need to either accidentally or purposefully have to ignore public health guidance as a means of existence for their own uh, for their own ability to, to keep their families safe. We've not in this episode been able to get stuck into some of the mental health and other social sequelae that we know have occurred. Unfortunately yeah. we, we lost a we, we lost we lost a friend to alcoholism in lockdown, of uh, which the data is now out and the underestimation of pubs as a mitigator of alcoholism. Uh, by social solidarity and the fact that you've got a landlord and friends, etc., that will say that's enough and to look after you, and the massive toll that drug and alcohol abuse has, has, has seen uh, behind closed doors. Again, a trade-off seldom discussed, and one that in these series of shows this week, no doubt this is going to come back up. And so thank you for kicking us off on this, Blaze. It's been absolutely brilliant to catch up with you on air, um, and uh, and uh, hopefully we can make this make this work again sometime, uh, especially... Uh, I won't keep you up too late, but uh, really do appreciate it. Well, thanks, thanks for your indulgence, everybody. <laughs> no, it's been bro. And sorry to those of you that have not been able to draw your comments in as much as usual. We've just had, uh, we got stuck into the conversation, but we will definitely use those to fuel future discussions into this week and beyond. And I really appreciate it. And we will have definitely more, especially when I have my solo sessions, we'll, we'll, we'll draw on some of these comments and themes. But thanks for now and uh, bye, boys. Take care. See ya.